Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Once again, welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you here. I trust you had a wonderful Christmas week. Some of you? Yeah, it was a lot of activity, a lot of events taking place. As this year, uh, this whole week, we celebrated the birth of Christ. And with his birth, the birth of Christ, and we talked all about this last Sunday, we received good news. I like to call it news you can use. And the good news that God gave to us, it was news of great joy for how many people? Remember, we made a big deal about that last week. It's good news of great joy for all people. And it's for all people because God is world-minded. He cares about all of us. He's always been that way. He always will be. With God, it's all people all the time. And when you read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus affirmed the very same thing. He always talked about everyone, even the least of these. In fact, on one occasion, just before he was ready to leave planet Earth and go back to his Father in Heaven, back to the throne... He called his disciples together, and he said, I want you to go out into all the world, to all nations, and preach the good news of the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. The commission for the church of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission as well. Not just here in Sterling Heights area, but to the uttermost parts of the earth, to preach the gospel and make disciples. That's the responsibility that God has given to us. And to get there, to the remote places of the world, we need a little help. We have to depend upon those that God has gifted with missionary gifts. Those God has called to the mission field. And we're so privileged today, honored to have two very special mission families with us. You're going to meet them in just a couple of minutes, as Pastor Dan said. Both of them, both of these families have been on the mission field for over 11 years. They both have been called to Africa. First, there's Matt and Angela Catanella and their family. They're currently uh, hosting living water in uh, Uganda, Africa. And then we have Dan and Rachel Smither and their family with Key of Hope in Durban, South Africa. And they're going to talk to us. They're going to share with us some of the vision and the dreams that God has given to them, the work that they're involved in. And as Matt uh, comes, Matt and Angela, Mariah and Alexis, I want you to give them a huge round of applause as they get us started. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys today. Just want to introduce myself. This is uh, my name is Matt Catnella, and I grew up in the uh, Michigan area. Uh, we're out of the Clarkston area. Uh, this is my wife Angela Mariah. Uh, she was born in where? Kenya, and she's seven years old. Alexis is nine years old, and she was born in Uganda. And um, this is my beautiful wife. Yes, it's so good to be here with you guys today. We just want to thank you, first of all, so much for your support, for all your prayers and all the finances that you've sowed, because we could not do it without you behind us. So thank you so much. 
We really, really appreciate it that you guys are backing us and behind us. And uh, it means a lot to us. And we pray over you guys and over this church, everyone that supports us, because we don't take it lightly. We know it's often a sacrificial gift that you're giving to missions, even above your tithes and offerings. So thank you so much for being generous and helping to support the work we're doing. And um, just to give you a brief synopsis of what we're doing. We are in Kampala, Uganda. Uganda is in East Africa, and um, Kampala is the capital city. We've got close to five million people in the capital, and it is crazy. It's kind of like, I always say New York City on steroids. It is like insane, Um, but God has given us grace for it, and we absolutely love it. And um, Uganda is the second youngest population. They have the second youngest population in the world. 72% of the nation is under the age of 30, and the average age is 15. Um, we have one in 10 is, an, is uh, an orphan, and one in five is infected with HIV AIDS. So because of the AIDS epidemic, obviously that's why a lot of the parents have passed away. And um, so we do have a lot of orphans and just young ones that have been just raised You know, they raise their younger siblings and that kind of thing. But God has really put it on our hearts for all these years to reach out to the youth. So we mainly reach out to the youth from ages 13 all the way up to 30. Um, It just seems kind of like the forgotten group. We've got a lot of people that reach the young ones, and they have churches for the adults, but no one really targets the youth, so that's what we do. And, uh, and we love it. We, um, God has called us to raise up the next generation of leaders. And every Friday night, we have a worship service where we gather um, youth and campus students. Um, and so we're reaching over a few hundred every week on Friday nights at our campus. And uh, also, we have discipleship that we do. Because our heart is not just to get them saved, but to make disciples, because that's what Jesus called us to do. So we want them to be grounded in the Word. So we have a 30-week course we do with discipleship and leadership. And then from there, we give them the opportunity to be a mentor or a big brother or a big sister. And they go into the high schools, and they teach our purity curriculum that we have. And uh, we've taught this purity curriculum to over 10,000 students. And um, each student gets their own book. And they get to go through this purity and they make a commitment to, you know, saving sex until marriage. We also have some other curriculum we wrote, some life skill, and they go through that as well. So God has been faithful to us. And um, we also have a couple of schools that we are helping to support in the village um, through one of our leaders, which Matt will tell a little bit more about that. Um, so we just want to say thank you so much because everything that we're doing, we could not do without your help. Amen. Thank you so much. I want you to picture right now uh, a football field filled with thousands of people, as as far as the eye can see. And there's a crusade that's happening in Africa, and they're on a football pitch, and dirt is flying up everywhere, and there's millions of people as far as the eye can see. And the evangelist gives a salvation call, and many people give their heart to the Lord. But the next day, we go to that pitch, and there's a bunch of flyers that are just flying around, or just banners there, and the flyers are flying around from the crusade. And all those people maybe gave their heart to the Lord, maybe came out for, to see what God was doing. But I want to share with you, that's where me and Angela and Dan pick up the pieces. As full-time missionaries, after the evangelist comes in, it's now our goal to train and equip and to disciple those people. 
And we live day in and day out with the people. We've been in Africa for 14 years. My wife literally spent half of her life in Africa. She was in Kenya. Uh, She grew up there. But our heart is to raise up the next generation of leaders in that nation. And uh, without your support and without this ministry behind us, we cannot do the work that we've been called to do. You know, the Lord gave me a scripture that I want to share with you today out of Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. And it says, and through your, your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Let me read that again. It says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You see, on the other end of our obedience, so many lives can be touched. Amen? I didn't see myself as very special or knowing so much of the word and gifted, but I believe I was available to be used by God. And as we obey to what God has called us to do, millions upon millions of lives will be impacted and touched as we step out in obedience to what God has called us to do. The Bible says that the willing and obedient will inherit the kingdom of God. And we know that many of you are willing and obedient in your area where you're at, whether it's at work or wherever your mission field might be. But I want to encourage you to do what God has called you to do. To be obedient, to step out and share the gospel because so many lives will be impacted by your obedience. I just want to share about uh, one of our leaders. Uh, his name is Nicholas. We have a picture of him. Uh, and Nicholas here is a Tesso, And uh, he lives... Uh, up in the bush, we live in the capital city with about 5 million people, as Angela said, but there's 33 million people that live in that nation. But Nicholas lived up in uh, uh, Leontonde town, about uh, six to eight hours away from the capital city. And he came to the capital looking for uh, a better future, looking for a better uh, life that he could experience. By moving there, he found about, about our discipleship classes that Angela shared about. And uh, little did I know, but Nicholas was walking about 10 miles every Wednesday to come to our discipleship classes uh, to get the word of God and just to sit under the word for one hour. But I found out, actually, he said, Pastor, I was actually just coming to visit you because you're a white and I was seeing what kind of money I could get. But we don't pass out money like that. Um, But what we do is we pour in the spirit and we pour in discipleship to these ones. And Nicholas began to get discipled under the word of God. He began to grow in who he was in Christ. He began to get spirit-filled, and he began to tithe. He began to know who he was as a Christian, walking out his righteousness and his calling. And we saw the giftings on Nicholas' life. And he was so faithful that we then placed him in a school where he began to teach our purity curriculum called Walk Pure. Nicholas oversaw about five schools with about 100 in each school. He was doing great at it. And um, so many lives were being changed from Nicholas that came all the way from his village where there's no water, electricity. He came all the way to the city and he came to me one day and said, Pastor, I need to get back home to my village to share this message with my village. So what Nicholas did is he moved all the way back to his village, Leontonde town, where there's no running water, no electricity, where it's rough. I mean, you can put your hand in front of your face and it's completely black because there's no lights at all at night there. But Nicholas moved back to his village there and uh, he said, Pastor, there's no school within about five mile radius where kids have to walk so far and there's no public school in the area, so I'm going to start a school. 
So what Nicholas did is from the training that he got from us, the discipleship that he got from us, he began to build a, a small classroom pastor out of cow dung and mud. He put a thatched roof over it, and there was a dirt floor, and he jammed 120 kids in that classroom. And he began to teach those kids for about a year, and he began to do the best that he could with the resource that he had. And we began to visit him every Christmas, and we began to uh, share with him the gospel and began to teach him in leadership and the capacity building of what it means to be a leader. And now not only does Nicholas oversee that small area in that school, but he built a second school and he has 250 students in that. If you can show that next slide. But here's some of the kids, the 250 kids in the next class where they don't have even benches. Every Christmas we go up there, just bring them simple benches and chalk and paper. And uh, he's been impacting his community, but he bought uh, land now there and he uh, has two schools that meet every uh, week. But not only is he doing that, but he's got pastors now on the property where he's going to plant two churches there. But through your giving, that's what the scripture that I wanted to share with, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Through your seed and through your faithful tithing. Many people ask us, what is the most important thing that we can do to help you as missionaries? And the most important thing that you can do is to tithe to your local church. As you tithe and give to your local church, the local church can reach across the world to support great missionaries that are doing the work of God. So we value your prayers. We value you, your funds that you're doing. But Nicholas is, is doing an awesome thing. One of the things that we're believing God for Nicholas now to do is to, to um, dig a well for him and his community. You should see the, the, the jerry can that they have to go get and throw into the water and just drag it up to get uh, a yellow-like substance. I wouldn't even call it water. But um, that's about six to eight hours away. But we're in the capital city. Um, but that's just one of our success stories that God is doing all the way in Kampala. But when we're in the city, we're raising up leaders all the time like that. We could go on and on about the stories of what God is doing. But one of the big things that's on our heart is we feel it's the next level and the next step that we have to take is to build the Living Water Youth Center. So I know that you guys saw the video a little bit ago, but uh, we just acquired five acres of land and we're going to build an awesome facility there. Honey, you want to just share about that? Yeah, we're really excited because we've been praying a long time for this. God gave us this vision a long time ago when we first moved to Uganda. So finally, in the 10th year, we got the land. We're like, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, God gave us, it, the deal is just phenomenal. And it's a prime piece of property right near the first highway. I guess it's a highway that they've built in Uganda. And it's just a prime location. Um, we got a school that's being built across the way. And um, there's not even a church in that whole area. So we're building this youth center. It's going to have a church to reach out to all the people around. They're going to be doing intramural sports, which is a great way to reach out to youth. Those people, they love football. Let me tell you. Okay, soccer. We call it football. But soccer. Yes, they, they love it. So we're going to have that and basketball and all these sports to draw out the youth. And, and through those programs, we'll, um, you know, win them to Christ. And we'll go through the discipleship and, you know, bring them into the church. So we're really excited about that. And um, we're going to have all kinds of other programs. We, our heart is really to have, like, tutoring after school and um, a library and provide resources that they just don't have. 
Like America has so many amazing libraries. Like we just don't have that stuff there. So we want to be able to provide that and those resources for those youth in that area. And yeah, just to be a beacon of light and to draw people into the Lord. So we just want to thank you again for all the seed that you've been sowing because that you're reaching all the way overseas and reaching Africa and Uganda. We'd like to just thank you again. God bless you. Man, I want to go to Uganda now. That's incredible. Exciting. Um, my name is Dan Smither, and uh, we've been in Durban, South Africa, as Pastor Tony said, for 11 years now. Um, my wife, Rachel, and I, I'll have her stand up. Rachel, will you stand up? Uh, and then next to her, stay standing, please. She doesn't like to be in the spotlight, but I'm going to keep her standing. Cece, stand up. Cece was, when we moved to South Africa, she was six weeks old, and so now she's 11. Sasha <laughs> is 16. Sonora is 13. And my oldest, my 18-year-old, is still there in Durban, South Africa, so she didn't make the trip with us this time. So we're excited to get home and see her. Um, this I don't know if, I hope you, you, you enjoy being here every week. We, sometimes we get to see some of the, the snippets of services um, online, but it is like when I was listening when Angie got up and she was like, it's great to be here, and you, in your mind you might think, oh, she probably says that everywhere she goes, right? But it is great to be in this church it really is. Angie, am I right? I mean, when you say that, I mean, it, this, is, this is a different kind of environment, and I, I, you probably know that. I mean, if you get to come here every week, and, and, and this worship team is amazing, and, and your awesome leadership here, your, your building that you have, it's amazing to be here. So um, I'm not just sticking up for Angie. I mean, I, it's like it is great to be here in this church. Um, I brought three more people with me here that I want to introduce. First is Asipe. Um, now, these are, these are Zulu names, so if you can remember them and, and talk to them after the service, that would be awesome. But Asipe is 18 years old. Um, she just graduated from high school uh, about a month ago, so we're proud of her. She applied. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. She applied to be an intern at Key of Hope, so she's going to be serving in 2019 on our staff as an intern. So we're happy about that, too. Next is Azile. Uh, Azile is 21. Uh, you know, she doesn't look 21. She's the shortest one. She always gets mistaken to be younger. In fact, we were at a restaurant a while back, and they brought her a children's cup. So, but she's 21, and she serves on our staff uh, after having grown up in Kia Hope in our Hope Fund department, um, where she helps pay school fees and feed kids and do all kinds of things like that. Keta on the end there is 19, um, graduated from high school a couple of years ago and served this year, 2018, on our staff um, doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, interns basically get the jobs no one else wants. So, but Keta was happy to do that and, and learned a lot. Um, and there's a lot to do at Key of Hope. We work with uh, almost 2,000 children 
every single week. Um, every one of those kids, we do weekly home visits. And so we're in the communities every single week visiting those kids at home, checking on them, uh, seeing what they need, uh, seeing where they're at, and, and ultimately building a relationship with them. Um, we also have sports teams and, and tutoring programs, music programs. Many of you might remember the choir that has uh, performed on this stage in the past. And so, so much that's going on at Key of Hope. But there's, there's one thing that's, that's happening that's kind of the core of what Key of Hope has become. And it's not really something that we plan for. Uh, you know, we, we, we definitely went to South Africa with plans um, and, and how we wanted things to look. But I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but you, you do things and, and, and you're making decisions and you're making plans and you're heading in a certain direction. But then sometimes you look back in hindsight and you can see, oh, wow, God was actually doing this thing. And, and you only see that in hindsight. And, and so one of the things that's happened over the last 11 years is kids grow up, right? This was a kid. She was eight years old when she first started coming to Key of Hope. And, and now she's 18. And, and looking back over the last 11 years, we can see that one of the things that God has really done at Key of Hope is he's created a family. That's what we've become. You know, I, I know that here in America we've seen uh, over the last several generations the breakdown of the family. But because of poverty and AIDS in Africa, we've seen the complete disintegration of the family. It's almost non-existent in many cases. And so we've just discovered what kids and youth have come to look at Key of Hope as is their family. We have kids who will stand up and just testify and say, this is not my second family, this is my family. Key of Hope is my family. And it's, it's not easy growing up in an African slum. It's not easy at all. There's, there's everything seems to be fighting against you. Asipe, will you just share a little bit about what that's like and what that's been like for you growing up? Um, okay. Um, my name is Asipe, and I am born and raised in an informal settlement called Jamaica. Um, and so growing up in Jamaica um, is... It was really hard and, and I mean, from the things we see and experience, um, the starvation, um, when we, everyone's hungry, um, the abuse, um, the rape and the crime just everywhere. You grow up in fear and, um, and broken. Um, and so I first went, when I first went to Care of Hope, um, I actually found a family. Um, when I was in the choir. That's where like, I believe Jesus has used Key of Hope to reach my life. Um, and first, they first provided like, um, things like food and stuff, but actually they ended up like, um, reaching into my life and God started changing things and um, helping me realize who I am, the gifts and talents that God has given um, me. And I believe other kids have at home uh, the gifts and the talents and believing that God has a purpose for our lives, which we don't and it's hard to understand or believe that when you grow up in those kind of situations. And so God has helped me um, discover who I am. And so that's why I wanted to um, apply for internship and work at Care of Hope and, and try bring, bring hope to all the thousand other kids back home. Yeah. Yeah. 
throughout, throughout most of the trip, I, I was teasing her on whether or not she got accepted into the internship or not. But last Friday was the official day in Durban that we handed out the letters of acceptance, and I gave her one here, and she was just shaking as she was reading it, and, and, but we knew she was going to get accepted. Um, it's it's uh, life, life in, in poverty and, and surrounded by violence and crime is, is difficult, um, but our home visits puts us right in the thick of it. I remember when I knocked on Hazile's door, um, and you, you were not happy at first. You, you were not sure about me, um, a white guy knocking on her door. But, but back up to the beginning and, and bring us up to that point where I was standing in your house. Um, before Uncle Dan knocked on my door, um, I had gone through a lot as a young kid because um, I lost both of my parents. And so I had to move around, stay with my auntie, um, who wasn't able to put me in school because she didn't have a job and barely had food for me to eat every day. Um, I kind of got used to that because I, I, my parents died when I was fi five and six. So I was supposed to be attending at least grade one, but I couldn't. Um, so, but then all of a sudden she just fell really ill and and uh, um, I was staying with her alone so I, I had to take care of her, feed her, uh, nurse her in the way I could as a six-year-old um, until she finally passed away as well. Uh, and then my older sister uh, stepped in and, and decided to take me in and to stay with her and her two daughters. Um, she also had the same problem. Uh, she found, I mean, she found a, a small job where she could work, at least have food for us to eat, and she registered um, my cousin and I to school, but she couldn't pay the whole school fees. She just could, like, um, uh, register us there. So we attended school, but she always had to fight battles and go to meetings because she couldn't keep us there with no school fees. Um, but that for me felt normal. It felt like I was becoming a normal kid because I attended school. Uh, I had a uniform. I had a stationery, even if it wasn't the best. But I did have something as a kid. But also, all of a sudden, she also fell sick. Um, she got very sick that, I mean, for me, it felt easier because I didn't have to take care of her like my auntie because uh, it only took her like two weeks to pass away. But, but when she passed away, it was the dead end for me. It felt like um, there's, no, there's no hope, there's nowhere else I could go to. Um, I mean, when, when, she was in, in, in her, when I went to her funeral, she was in her grave, I, I felt like I should also be there because there's, there's just nothing else for me to live for. But my family, kind of, the rest, the few that were, were left behind, kind of like had a meeting, a small meeting, discussing on who was going to take the three of us now, because there's now three orphans. And they all have other kids who are orphans as well. But um, my, my, my mother's older sister, uh, sister didn't have um, any kids. Um, so she took us in, we lived with her, she stayed in the same area as my sister, so we were able to attend the same school. Um, 
And that's when there was, all of the sudden, uh, there was a, a, a knock on my door. And it was a tall white man standing there. Um, well, my, 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 my auntie, I call her granny because she's old. She was, she was relieved that there's going to be help. She was, she's an open person, so, so she, she just welcomed him. And everyone else did, and my two cousins did, but I was freaked out. Because he, he was the first white man there, so I was a bit freaked out. That, um, but like... Um, as time went by, I, I, I felt part of the family as, uh, at Cure of Hope, and I found more than, uh, I found more than uh, just going there and attending uh, Kids Club, because I also found Jesus. I also found a family. I found a mother, a father, I found brothers and sisters. I mean, the emptiness that I felt just filled in. All of a sudden, I was becoming more normal like a normal, normal kid. Yeah, we, well, normal, she uses that term loosely. But yeah, you're about as normal as they come. You know, it's, when you have a dream, or, or as a kid, dreams get crushed pretty quickly under the weight of poverty. You know, when I was, when I was young, people would always ask me, aunts, uncles, to the point where you kind of get sick of it, especially as a teenager, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, and you know, but in, in Africa... In poverty, surrounded by AIDS and crime, that, that's not a real question. It's not even something you can afford to think about as a kid. Um, you're thinking about the next 24 hours. You're not thinking about a career. You may not even grow up to see a career. Um, Katal, you had a dream as a kid that, that kind of got reignited. Tell us about that. Um, so, like, as a kid, I've always felt as if I wanted to become a pilot. But, like, 2013, the very first quarter tour, we came here and we flew for the very first time. And that sort of, like, reignited my dream. Flying for the very first time was very exciting. And I, I felt as if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, we went back home. I shared my dream with everyone around me at school, my community. But, like, no one really believed me or thought I was going to achieve that dream because, like, I'm a kid coming from a disadvantaged background and and all the other stuff that's really like doesn't allow me or put me in like a proper position to achieve that dream. So everybody just like made a joke out of it, started laughing and all that kind of stuff. So that really got to me and it made me doubt myself and I started thinking like, is this dream for me really? But I went to Kiofop and I didn't really have high hopes about anything. I just like they asked me what do I want to become and I shared my dream. But like when I got there, they took me seriously. They were like, okay, we, we're going to try and help you to achieve that dream. So 2015, we came here. That was the second quarter tour. And I, got, like, I didn't know that guy and I didn't meet him. But like God introduced, like he showed that guy to me. He, not, not to me, I mean, he, I sort of like, he went to a concert where we were performing and he heard about me wanting to become a pilot. So I didn't meet him that year, but like the following year, he decided to fly back to South Africa. He's a Delta pilot, so he decided to fly back to South Africa and meet me. Um, so he met, he met me, he sat down with me, he talked to me, and we discussed about like how he's gonna like help me and the steps that I have to put in place to become a pilot. So he paid for like a couple of flights, and I just went flying. And after that, I 
he went, he came back to to America. And then this year, while I was interning at Key of Hope, um, out of nowhere, a guy, a guy comes and asks Uncle Dan if he knows of anyone who wants to become a pilot because he wants to sponsor the person. So obviously, Uncle Dan knew me. So Uncle Dan introduced me to the guy. And he talked, I talked to him and he registered me at a school. Like the past month, he registered me at a flight school. And so next year, I'll be start training to become a pilot. God is so amazing. And so this is, this is not something that, that Rachel and I are just over in, in South Africa doing. If you're sitting here, this is something we're doing. Like you share in this. And, and that's why we're so excited to be here and so excited because we normally, Matt, I mean, normally we're 8,000 miles away, but to be able to be here and say, look, this is, this is what's happening. This is what you're doing is so exciting for us. So Pastor Tony and Therese and, and, and Community Christian, thank you so much for what you're doing in, in reaching young lives and making disciples for Christ. Just wanted to ask a couple questions now. Um, uh, wondering, uh, how many interns do you have there at Kiev Hope? Right this now? year we'll have four interns. Four? Yeah. Okay. And I was going to question uh, the Asipe? smiley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, since she got off the platform, then you're off the hook. So <laughs> tell me, what are her responsibilities going to be? Well, what we try to do is have the interns really experience every single part of the ministry. So they'll do everything from clean a toilet to lead worship. So she'll, her, her, she'll be in a specialized track. Each, each of the interns has a track. So she'll be on the music track since she's extremely gifted musically. Okay, so the interns, the, it's a stepping stone to being into the ministry? Is it is, yes. All of them um, are going to go into the ministry? All but two of our interns over the last five years have joined our staff, ultimately. Okay. All right, so you heard what uh, Dan said, Uncle Dan. He said that um, our involvement with him and our willingness to support him is changing lives in, in Durban, South Africa. Do, do you realize that? We're building lives. We're changing lives. And we're so appreciative of the sacrifices all of our missionaries have made. I commend you for your devotion to the gospel message and the Great Commission. And I'm just going to ask you all, if you'd please come up onto the platform. I know some of you just stepped off. On the stage, everybody, all of our guests, yeah, even you, Rachel, and Lee, you can come too. I want everybody to come. We want to give you a nice round of applause. Pastor Therese, would you come as well? And just kind of uh, form a line right here. I wanted you guys to know that it was about the October-November time frame when um, uh, I, I just seemed to have a special visitation from the Lord. He, he put both of your uh, missions on my heart. And uh, we have probably uh, nine or ten uh, missionary partners that we support on a regular basis. But in prayer, I, I just felt like because of the projects and the expansion programs that you're both involved in, that the Lord laid you on my heart and just kind of whispered to me that you could use a little extra financial boost. 
I mean, when you have dreams and you're trying to build something, you need finances. And I remember when we were trying to build this, we ran out of money. Um, so I, I know what the challenge is that you face um, when you're trying to build something and God's given you a dream and you just can't get there. So uh, what we did is we went before the congregation with a special plan. And in the month of November and throughout the, the, the last few weeks, we've been, we've been taking uh, a missions offering uh, just especially for you. And our goal was to try and present you both with uh, sizable year-end checks of $10,000. That's what we wanted to do. Um, I'm sorry uh, we didn't quite hit that number, uh, but we did get to 15000 for each of you. Okay? So we would like to give you both, for your mission, a check for $15,000. And we've even given you the big checks. The one that you get on TV. Wow. You know? So there you have it. Thank you, Community Christian Church. Really appreciate what you guys do. Pastor Therese actually has the real check. She'll give those to you in a second. And maybe you could just take 30 seconds and tell us what that $15,000 is going to do for you. Well, when I, when I talk about family, 2,000 kids, in one way, it's like a lot of kids. It's like 2,000 is a big family. But when, when we look at how many areas we're not in, I, I looked around a couple of months ago at our kids, and I was, you know, we're, our staff is maxed out. We're, they're exhausted at times, and, and, and we're doing everything we can, and it's kind of like, well, 2,000 is a lot. Maybe that's enough. Maybe, you know, we just kind of keep it here. And, but we need to make this family bigger. We need more kids are desperate for this love, desperate for this security, desperate to just belong somewhere, and this is going to help us make the family bigger. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, as we shared before, the youth center that we're going to be building, we're breaking ground in March, so this will definitely be going toward uh, the facilities of the basketball courts. We're going to have soccer fields there. Tons of kids are going to have intramural sports that will come out and then be a part of a life-giving church right on the property. So thank you guys so much for supporting and loving us. Okay, one more round of applause for everybody. Thank you so much. This is really what the Christmas season is all about, and I know that you know we've had times of uh, of uh, fun and a lot of activities with family members, and there's so much joy in, in the exchange of gifts. I, I hope that you can sense uh, your heart being filled up uh, with your gifts and your sacrifice that you've made over the last couple of weeks when we asked you to uh, give generously to the mission fund, and we're able now to bless these two mission uh, groups. Uh, it's just so um, encouraging and inspirational to be able to do that. Okay, as you're dismissed, I just want to uh, give you two instructions. One, don't forget about uh, the start of uh, the new series next Sunday, Love Like This. 
And then we're going to go right into our prayer and fasting. You're more than welcome to um, avail yourself to prayer at any time during that fasting time. And then also I want you to take a few moments this morning. Don't just run out. Stop by the mission tables in the lobby, uh, Living Water, Key of Hope, and just ex extend and express your love to all of our guests today. Can you do that? All right. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.